0: Welcome to Generally Specific, the show that talks to inspiring people about the things that inspire them. I'm your host, Anthony Cosme, alongside my co-host, Andre Dowdy. Dre, how you doing?
1: I'm okay. Again, that's the baseline for every episode now. it's so all Yeah, it can okay. be. Yeah, yep. we're,
0: back. Uh, we're back and we're okay.
1: You know what's funny? You say alongside, my co-host, and it is it different because I'm not actually sitting next no, to you. No, we're not alongside. <laughs> uh, you know what?
0: I'll have to say something different. I'll have to be like on the internet with andre
1: dowdy there we go just got slight modifiers you know? in
0: an internet video call with andre dowdy
1: <laughs> we we'll change it, it up well, every time yeah we'll just we'll have to, we'll have to get <laughs> fancy um but we're back yeah this is the first uh official episode that we have with a guest um so let's get into it so nancy Ascona is the best kind of human being Generous and outspoken, Nancy is the kind of person that cannot stand injustice of any kind. It can be external or it can be internal. And her personal writing has dealt with a lot of emotional injustices like depression, mourning, and the complexities of white allyship. She's a production coordinator at Sawhorse Productions, but she's recently landed a consistent writing gig uh, writing her own column for Mixed Magazine, a publication dedicated to promoting creatives of color. Sorry, Anthony most recently, she's completed a book of poetry entitled Corazon de Seda, which will be out on April 28th. The book, like a lot of her creative work, explores what it means to be who we need to be and the process to get there. She's also a ceramist from time to time. Nancy, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you.
2: sweetest intro i think i've ever gotten it's so like in depth um and i was just like oh yeah that girl's kind of cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. a bunch of stuff andre um, writes these long intros and he never tells me them and then every time he does them i'm just like
2: i didn't know is... about it myself like you yeah, did
0: <laughs> I, last season, I I would always say he's got the best intros in the game, but I, it's not even the game anymore. I think it's the world. Look,
1: I don't like talking about myself this way, so it's easier to do it about other people. Yeah. Listen, um, NPR doesn't have a thing. You're the freshest air. No, I am the freshest air, breathing the hottest H2, H two H eight uh, O. Anyway, whatever H two O, you know H yeah.
0: I'm, I'm breathing the hottest water. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me, nice um hydrated <laughs> <legend>. <laughs> the only man who's
1: breathed water ever so this is anyway. it we just riff for an hour yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I just jump in when I can <laughs> yeah we go for a water bit you know
1: <laughs> um Nancy so how have you been handling quarantine and the pandemic first and foremost I know you've had a specific uh, episode that you wrote about in your writing but overall How have you been handling, what have you been doing?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah. Yesterday, which would be March 12th was like a year for me, at least since we got down on like pure quarantine times. Um, And I did some reflecting because it's been so hard, but I've made so many strides during this time too. Um, You know, I I lost my aunt during um, the pandemic, too, which was one of the closest aunts I had. um, And then which like put me into a spiral because it made me think about my mother and her mortality and everything. So I was going through rough times there. And then also um, struggling with an eating disorder during a pandemic Um, is not always fun. It's not fun, period. But you know, when you're that isolated, it's a it's a bit scarier. So, um, I was going through that um, quite a bit and reflecting in in that part. But at the same time, I've released a book. <laughs> I got a new job during this time. Um, I learned how to roller skate during this time. So I've had like really um, really large ebbs and flows, uh, and it's been interesting. I I don't think I I would be able to handle these things, if it weren't for the privilege of having a job, if it weren't for the support system that I have, and honestly, my therapist. (laughs) So Mm. I have I have a lot of factors on my side, even though I have a lot against me too.
1: So uh, I guess let's talk about the book first. Um, The book is a collection of poems written over a specific period of time, Uh, some of it from your your younger years, you, you mentioned previously before we, we got on. Um, we got a sneak preview.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so exclusive. Um, so happy. <laughs>
1: um, what was, what's the origin point for the book?
2: Yeah, so I would say around 2014, <clears throat> 2015, when I started writing um, poetry a little bit more consistently, I was like, I'm, I'm going to write a book one day or like I want to write a book one day um, just because like. That that felt like such a, a catalyst to my journey is just like, once I write a book, everything's going to change, um, which kind of feels like that, to be quite honest. Um, so around that time, I think I was like a junior or a senior in, in college when I started doing that. Um and then I didn't I spent years not focusing it on too much. The most poetry I think I would write within years was in April, which happens to be National Poetry Month as well. Um, so it I would only really write poetry then. And then I took a workshop with um, Desiree. I don't want to mention her last name simply because I will butcher it, but uh, <laughs> her first name is Des. Um, and it was a fall workshop last year. Um, and I learned a lot about myself, about my writing style and uh, really fell in love with poetry again. Um, like truly fell in love with poetry again because I it's my life now. Um, when I'm not working, it's poetry or writing in general. Um, And I had a one-on-one with her because that's what the workshop offers is one-on-one with Des. And she has also written poetry. She's a spoken word artist. Um, And I mentioned that like I had a manuscript going and I wanted to release it one day. And actually the manuscript title then was Pillow Talk um, because a lot of my poetry tends to be written in bed like at late hours because that's when usually inspiration would strike. And then i did research and there's a bunch of books called pillow talk so i no longer
1: wanted to
2: do that (laughs) um but uh, actually corazon de seda was my uh, twitter name for forever it's still my twitter name (laughs) Uh, but it's been my twitter name for such a long time and uh, i was like that's my book name because in english it translates to silk heart and I am um, a big believer of like being strong and you know being that that person for yourself, being your own champion. But I never like the idea of having your heart turn cold because of this world. And it's a, it's a more difficult thing to do than said, um, because shit happens and people get fucked over and people <coughs> you know trauma happens and sometimes the reaction is to just close yourself off um and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing i just know that for me um i want to try to be a warm heart in a very cold world sometimes so yeah
1: hmm nice i know the, the this has been um an independent journey i don't yeah from what i understand you're doing everything yourself you're you're releasing yourself um I think that's I, that's all I know. You, you're releasing it yourself. <laughs> Obviously, you've gotten you've gotten all the elements for it. Of course, you know you've gotten help, like the cover. Yeah. You yeah. You, uh, you know uh, tapped a friend to create the cover for you, but you know you're releasing it yourself. What? How was that process? Well, do you know the difference between doing it? You know, I guess the quote unquote traditional route and doing it yourself, or you're just doing it yourself because like that's it's got to get out.
2: Yeah. So so when I was having that conversation with Des, um, basically she was just like what is your goal? And I was like, I want my book to be in a Barnes and Nobles in like Milwaukee where this one fat Latin woman, they, them, like just walks by and just like, what is this? And she doesn't feel alone or they don't feel alone. And then she's like, that's possible. That's completely doable. She's like, but you got to release a book. Like you got to release it for that to happen. Um, And I was like, you're right. I mean, (laughs) you didn't tell a lie. I have to do that to get to that point. Um, And I didn't want to wait. I just didn't want to wait for for myself to write a manuscript and then send it off to publishers. Cause that's the traditional route, right? If you don't have an agent, you write a manuscript and then you send it out to publishing houses which there's a ton of independent on publishing houses I could have sent and possibly gotten money to do this. But I was like, no, I want control. I don't want a timeline. I know when I want to release it and that's my timeline. Like I don't want someone else's timeline. Um, So I went towards the self-publishing route um, and there's a bunch of information out there. Um, If it weren't for like the YouTube videos and the articles and the programs that exist in the world, it would be so much more difficult. But um, there's so many avenues to self-publish and that's the route that I went. I have a literal um, Excel sheet that I have my timelines, my costs uh, like I had everything in there and the things that I wanted to happen. Um, For instance, I wanted Des to edit my book, but the timeline came so quickly that actually a friend who had been working with me since the workshop on editing my things ended up just editing my book. Um, Bless his heart. His name is James. Um, Did not expect it, but he ended up just getting editing credit. Um, He didn't ask for it or anything. I was just like, no, you edited my book. You get to be in my book. <laughs> um, so th- that's how I went. Uh, and I definitely, the next book that I release, I would love to get an, an, an advance for it. <laughs> like it is a lot of, um, it's a lot of labor, right? It's basically my second job right now um, is making sure mm. that I get this out. I promote it myself pretty much. You know, I have friends who have a larger following that promote it for me and I'm so thankful for it. But I had to take the initiative on promoting it. I had to take the initiative on sourcing um, the work for hire. So like the cover artist, uh, my friend Stephanie had to like seek her out, get a timeline to her, grab like invoices. So I had to do that. I had to be a timeline for myself too, because with a full-time job, it's incredibly <laughs> difficult to focus on this sometimes. So I ha- I like had a deadline that I didn't hit. Um, and it was driving me crazy, but that's cause my work was so busy. My nine to five was so busy that I just didn't have time to hit my deadlines correctly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of labor and it's a lot of work. Um, but I want this, I really want this to happen. And, um, I'm I'm excited for the release because I want it to be off my hands already. But until then, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's mine, and I've been looking after it um, for much longer than just this fall. You know, M- most of these poems are from that original manuscript, Pillow Talk, and then there are um, a handful of poems that I wrote specifically for this book.
0: Hmm. I would like to circle back if we could um, to like the creation and like sequencing and all that stuff of the book. Uh, when you decided, you know, maybe after the workshop that this was the route you wanted to go. Um, was, what was that like? Did you, did you have that manuscript already in line with like, okay, these are poems that I would like to include in this book, you know, cause you had the pillow talk already laid out or was it more like, you know, pouring through the archives of your old work and kind of pulling stuff out, because that's a journey I've been on recently in quarantine. It's just like <laughs> r- like digging through archives of old stuff. And it feels uh, it feels a lot. <laughs> you it know?
2: is a lot because that's exactly kind of the route I went through, too. So um, Pillow Talk had a, a bit of a structure. It was a three part structure, which is the same thing as Corazon de Seda. Um, And each uh, part of the book, each chapter of the book represented something in Pillow Talk. Um, I forget the exact things, but in Corazón de Seda, it's broken down by the word. So Corazón is heart. So the first chapter is all about my history with love and my journey with love and everything like that. They um, just, which is, you know, of in Spanish. So I dedicated that part to the self um, to, you know, my journey as a person. Um, you know, I have a poem about, uh, the black squares that happened in June, 2020 there. Um, uh, but I also have, um, a, a poem, I, I think about my brother in there. And then Sela, which is the silk part I dedicated to my family. Um, my background and my family has a very large part as to who I am and why I am the person I am today. So, I have an entire section dedicated to mostly my mom, which is terrifying because my mom wants a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a very, it's a scary journey right now because um, I don't say anything nasty towards my mom. I absolutely adore my mom. But, you know, there are hardships that come from being raised with a single immigrant mom. Um, so I do explore that in the art. Um but yeah, I, I went through archives. Like I said, I think Seda is the most fresh um, section of the book. It's one of most mm. of the poems that did not come from archives, um, they came for the book. Um, I would say the Corazon part has a lot of archives. I think I maybe wrote one or two new poems for Corazon, but that's because I write about love all the time (laughs) so (laughs) i was just like i don't i could just workshop some of these older poems and be able to put it in this book um and then the self part they um has a, a like a 50 50 i think i wrote some of them for the book and then i wrote i had already some of them in archives and whatnot
0: i mean i love how literal you break down the entire name into the three sections of the book i think that's a really really interesting and like great choice um yeah. And now I'm also wondering it just kind of sparks another question of like <laughs> um when you're selecting a poem to be like a part of something as opposed to a standalone thing um does does that kind of affect it too cuz again I'm I'm uh, thinking about books a lot recently <laughs> um especially like preparing for this just looking into stuff um I've just been thinking about how work lives when it's a project as opposed to standing alone you know so you know where does when it did, was it, I guess the thing I'm trying to ask is how did it feel when it was all together and you could kind of like concisely see like, oh, this all works so well together, you know, as opposed to individual pieces?
2: Yeah, I, I would say I'm thankful that I write, um, poems that feel like they need to be performed. Um, uh, so what I did is actually, um, when it was all done, I read through it like several times and I like read it out loud several times. And until like reading each poem after the other felt like, oh, this feels streamlined, this feels right, is when I was like, okay, this is the collection of work. So for instance, I had a poem in there that I wrote for a specific section. And when I was reading it out loud with my editor, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I didn't (laughs) want it in the book. Every single time I read it out loud to my friend James, I was just like, I don't want this in here. I wrote it for the book, but I don't want this in here. Um, so it, it was very much that it was me having to physically basically live in the book and be like, all right, this works. This doesn't work. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up doing the collection of works. When it comes to standalone projects, I kind of do the same. I read it out loud. And there are poems that I could have included in this book, but they are so strong alone, in my opinion, that i rather just release them in the world now um, or right. like just put it out now instead of having to wait for a book to see it and whatnot. Because I know that I'll be able to write for the book. I know that I'll be able to fill this up. But when something speaks to me in the moment, I'm like, okay, I just need to release it. It's the same thing with this book where I couldn't wait for a publisher to tell me I was good enough. I had to release this book because I didn't have a reason not to. So yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like I feel like the analogy or the the parallel here is like having a at least directly for you, Cosme, is like having a like a photo book, what does a photo book mean? Like a collection of photographs. Are you doing it for a specific thing? Is it supposed to capture your work from just a specific period? Or does it have to be this intentional thing where it's like, I'm going to do this for three years and actively work toward it and then bring it back and be like, hey, look, this is a thing that's done and completed.
0: Yeah, exactly, that's kind of like what prompted me to ask that question is just like, I've been th- and honestly, Andre, you know this from previous conversations <laughs> that we've had that are unrecorded. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. But just like just rethinking wh- what your work means in terms of like being something on its own. Does it have its own legs or because sometimes, you know, the same work can feel entirely different depending on the context that you put it in, you know, whether it's standalone or just as a part of something. And I think mm-hmm. that the work that's a part of something tends to be really beautiful when it has the rest of the the project to support it you know what I mean
2: yeah for sure I would say um I I have that with poetry a lot where there's a line that I'm fixated with like I want that line to be the poem and sometimes I can write words around that line that support that like gut punch and then sometimes I can't like I have a poem in here that's just simply a line because I could not figure out what around it would support it. That is the poem, um, you know, it, some people like to call those poem tweet poems. I don't have many <laughs> of them in my book because I'm not a big fan of them, but with that one um, was an exception because um it felt very uh floaty and like renaissancey so i was just like yeah you could be fine
0: (laughs) i love that i mean because that's (laughs) boiling it down to its simple simplest you know it's just like this phrase means something and Mm -hmm. it 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 has weight on its own and you know you know you stress the importance of words or phrases and just that's such a statement to just put something that's it you know there's no more context to it this is what it is and i love that yeah thank you
1: so you've got, so you've got poetry or you've got words, uh, but you also are a ceramist. And that, yeah, that. it's a different, it's a different beast because it is, it is dependent upon shape and form. Um, I, I guess, I mean, I'm coming to this, this, I, like this thought now, is that what attracted you to ceramics uh, or am I just like going out on a limb just because <laughs> I've just made the connection in my brain? Right
2: um, I think a, a little bit. You've made a connection in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I started. I, <laughs> I,
0: I Andre, did, you were wrong.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, beautiful. Just tell me. It's beautiful. But, um, but no, I, I didn't go there. I'm sure that now when I, I do it, I definitely think about it in a bigger context. But when I began um, uh, doing ceramics or throwing on the wheel, it was mainly because I needed something to do with my hands. Um, I, I needed something that was going to give me instant like satisfaction, which pottery does, you know, you put a ball of clay on the wheel and then you get a plate or you get a vase, you get a figure, um, within like minutes. So that was my real reason to go into it is that I needed something to do with my hands, you know, living in LA, I'm originally from New York, where you guys are from. We met in New York and everything. Um, But I've been in L.A. for four years now. Um, And my first few years here was incredibly lonely. I didn't have many friends. Um, My life was very much just my work. So I took that um, hobby on to give me a reason to leave my house, to, you know, explore an artistic avenue that I had loved before because I did 3D art in high school and I wanted to continue it. And what I love about um, throwing on the wheel is that you can't do anything else. Your hands are covered in clay. You like, you can't scroll through your phone. You can't like, you know, So that's what I really love about ceramics is the isolation it causes, but like, it's a beautiful isolation. It's not like, oh, I feel very lonely. I'm just alone. Um, And and I like that because I think we you know, especially in this year, we've had to be alone. And this is like the first time a lot of people have had to be alone with themselves in a very long time, if ever. Um, And and that's what I loved about ceramics. You know, and that took me to a place where I'm just like, it is nice to be with myself. You know, sometimes it is hard for people to be in with their own thoughts. They don't like it. But ceramics brought that piece with me because there was patience that went into the throwing ceramics. You can't, You can create something quickly, but if you don't do the right steps, it's going to come off like wonky. It's going to fall over. It's going to collapse within itself. Um, So you have to be patient with the vessel. You have to be patient with yourself because when you're learning, you're not going to get it from like right from the beginning. Um, So, yeah, ceramics is poetry in itself because there is such a beautiful process that goes into it. Um, but it's not how or why I began it. Um, but the process is very beautiful.
1: <laughs> I literally it was a terrible segue to ask you that question of how you started, but I was just like, Whoa, brain blast. So forgive me for that. segue. It's okay. Yeah. Oh I mean yeah. I do love what yeah. you
0: said. Oh sorry, go ahead, Andre.
1: No, you're about to say what, what I'm thinking, so do it.
0: Why are we? Do you want to say it at the same time? <laughs> no <laughs> no we're not doing that absolutely um, not now you have me second guessing what i was gonna say oh no oh no we're gone we lost it all no um, okay well oh you got it i got it i got it i got it Go ahead. i was gonna bring it relate it back to i guess what i've been doing because that's just it's all i can do at this point you know <laughs> i do think there's something so like great about like i guess in these times you you are isolated a lot of the time and like forcing yourself to be comfortable with yourself is like something that uh, like you said like you said nancy like everyone had to deal with that at some point during this quarantine and COVID times um and it's really beautiful when you finally get that thing that lets you be comfortable with yourself or find that thing that helps with it and um it's so beautiful to like, it's a nice thing to not be distracted and to just be focused on doing something, but you're completely on your own. Like I, uh, recently, you know, I feel comfortable, like kind of going out and making photos again of people. Um, and for the longest time, I used to go out with like noise canceling headphones and just like zone into myself. And I've completely stopped doing that because I'm like, I'm tuning out a lot of stuff and I'm just distracting myself with music or a podcast. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't focus fully on what I'm doing. And I heard this, like, uh, I read this Brian Eno interview and he's just like, Yeah, I can't stand when people go outside with headphones on. It's like, you got to listen to the world, you got to see mm-hmm. the world. So. I took the took the advice of Brian Eno and (laughs) took out those headphones, and I feel like it's made such a difference because I'm just like I feel fully present now, not like Mm -hmm. in my own head or anything. And even if I am in my own head, it's thoughts that I'm like fully comfortable with, or thoughts that I want to explore artistically, or you know, creatively, or whatever you know. And it's it's opened such a nice avenue, and it was so nice to have that realization, and it's really uh, inspiring and. Nice to hear that you kind of found the same thing, th- or sounds like through through to th- throw in, throw in, throw in the,
2: throw in, yeah. the wheel. Thro- throwin throwin the wheel. <laughs> yeah. the I wheel. love that phrase.
0: I really I, like yeah. throwing the wheel. I know it's the the, the term you use for it. But I just love hearing <laughs> throwing. I want to yeah. use it for everything. I'm just, what are you doing? This <laughs> I just throwing the wheel around. I'm just throwing just man. Throwin the wheel. <laughs> throwin just throwing. Just throwing.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. I've been I've been like hanging out with gamers so much that like throwing has such a different. <laughs> It's like, throw, it's, is like him, it's like, is it losing? Yeah, yeah Like if you're gonna throw the match, like oh, uh, you're, you're giving yeah. up essentially. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It's you know it's funny. I I I feel like yeah. It, we're, the the this this idea of like having to isolate and not in the way that everyone has. You know, social distancing and isolating in that way, but but isolating in a way that a you learn how to be comfortable with yourself, but b you know as you mentioned, Nancy, like doing something with your hands. I think a lot of us are doing stuff with our hands. It's just in a realm in which doesn't require our full attention or, or, I guess it's just, it doesn't exist in the physical world. And so there it doesn't have like an immediate connection. Like you holding a camera Cosme, or you throwing, you throwing, um, <laughs> requires you to have like an intimate understanding of what you're working with. You know, if you know your camera's broken, like, well, if you understand or you feel like your camera's not working some way, you've got to deal with that physically. You know, if the, if the, the piece isn't coming together, you know, if you're trying to make a a vase and it's just not coming together, you've got to figure out what, what do you do with it? But that requires a, your mind and then be like, Your hands to figure out, like, when you know, do I add water? Do I, you know, push out one way or whatever, whatever it is. So, and I feel very much that way too, because I've a lot of my time during quarantine, quarantine, quarantine has been here at this desk. So, I very much like want to get back out into the world and like just do like one thing and one thing only, because it always feels like, well, if you get tired of this, or you know, you know, if you're like on the computer for eight hours a day, like, here's like eight more hours of other stuff other people are doing (laughs) that you just get bombarded with and you're just like okay i'm just gonna go lay on my bed for 16 hours and then forget about everything so yeah
2: i um, am there it's it's like a meditative process too uh i'm sure like uh whenever you guys are in the zone of whatever you're doing it feels a bit meditative a bit calming um And I forget who said this and where I heard it, but someone said, if you could meditate 20 minutes in bed with no noise, that's not meditation. If you can meditate when there's sirens coming in and there's something crashing in the corner and you can still find peace and solace in the quietness that you've created, that's meditation. Mm. And um, I I really love that where it's just like, you know, of course, things are going to be easy when like life isn't throwing its whole ass at you, you know? Like, yeah. of course, things are going to, like, you can work out. You can get up early. Like, yeah, you can live a great routine when life isn't fucking lifing at you. <laughs> but the true conqueror, the true, like, um, success comes when you can find that peace when there's such chaos coming around you. Um, and I really love that because I... I try to bring myself down sometimes because my therapist likes to notice that when I start getting into like um, a panicky state or like I start very passionately like going into something, I don't breathe. She's literally like, you're not breathing right now. And I can tell that you're not breathing right now. So I have to like catch myself and go and release. And then I have to like put my shoulders down cause my shoulders then get up here when I'm stressed out. Um, So it it is interesting and I I attribute that a lot to therapy is making me more aware of like myself in certain like situations, whether it's bad or good. I I like have become a little bit more mindful to how my body reacts to things in general.
1: So.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. I love what you said about meditation. That's that rules. I got the chills when you said that. (laughs) I mean, my room's kind of cold, but also, you know. <laughs> oh my god. I gotta go. Actually, I'll see you guys later. Um... <laughs> um,
1: you do so many things, Nancy, and there's so much more I'd like to hit on, but we're we're kind of pushing the time. But um, so I mean, I've got a couple of things here. Let's let's. I'm not gonna call this the elephant in the room. It's kind of like the obvious thing to talk to you. Uh, about, but it's Women's History Month. Do you want to talk about woman, uh, woman, uh, women, women in the film and television industry? Because that's your kind of main bread and butter.
2: For sure. Do you want to?
1: I don't. I don't, I don't. want to ask you just because, like, <laughs> you happen to be the woman here. And it's Women's History Month. Like, you don't, do you want to talk? You know? Because no, like I know you people. Who, this. <laughs> I know. Like, I know people who hate that. That like on the nose engagement. Like to, to like call it out so specifically. It's like the same way that there's Black History Month. Like, why do we have to spend one month to do it? You know? Obviously it's it's an experience you live every day. So if you want to talk about it, I will open that door. I don't want to be like, <laughs> please talk about it, because it's <laughs> women's history month and you're all Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm down to talk so. about it. I think I recently just shared a stat about um C level suite execs um and the comparison. Yeah, I saw that of who's white and who's male in the industry. Um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always down to talk about things like that.
1: So then it's just, I just, I guess like the, the boilerplate stuff, like your experience and then I guess when you're working or looking for, I know you, you work full time, but if you're ever looking for, you know, just side projects to work on, what are you looking for specifically? Are you, let me leave it there. Let me leave it there. <laughs> So just, yeah. I guess, what are you looking for in, in, in the work that you do?
2: Yeah, so I would say my my overall um, want in this industry has definitely shifted in this quarantine. There's a lot of things that like came to realization for me in this industry. Um, and work was a, a very big part of it because I gave my all to my work. That like my nine to five basically in this industry, which is what you what feels like you have to do to succeed in here. And I think what ended up shifting my mindset is my history in the industry. So I've been working in the industry since 2016. So I'm heading on to like my fifth year working in in this industry um, and I started like most production people do. I was a PA um, and I've worked my way up to production coordinator and I've been able to do really great things. Um, that being said, I'm usually the only person in the room that looks like me. I'm usually the only person in the room that can speak Spanish. I'm usually in the the only person in the room that like gets asked to translate something. So, you know, it it is um, frustrating cause that shouldn't be the case. Um, And what I've taken upon myself basically to do, I am going towards a a position where I get to employ people. That's what production management really does. That's what line producers really do. They can um, employ the crews. So what I've taken upon myself is that hopefully when I get there and even the small chances that I do to like gather resumes, I make sure that there are resumes and um, reels from women, or they, them, non-binary people that look like me, or have had experiences like me, where, you know, I didn't grow up in the industry. My mom uh, is a chef. She like came here when she was twenty. My dad's an immigrant from Dominican Republic. Like he does like landscaping. So like I had no connection to these in, in this industry until I went to community college. Um, so I-, I had to build my own network. And even that's like a whole subject I, I uh, d- don't care for because I think networking is so disingenuine. It's um people just having you in their little like uh, Rolodex of, I if I need something, I'm going to contact this person. And I never like that. You mean like you just, I feel it feels dirty. You just want to use me. I don't like that. So I only hire people that I know that I can vouch for. And you know what? I support them. Most of the people that are in my Rolodex, I can genuinely say are my friends. Because it does it feels right that way. I don't want to hire so and so because he's the nephew of the CEO and it, they they can go anywhere. They can literally go anywhere. There is a space for them in this industry anytime. There's not many spaces in the industry for us. So, you know, it's a it's an interesting journey because I've definitely have had to keep my mouth shut. I've definitely have had to keep my emotions in check under, you know, white management, you know, privileged management, uh, whether they're white women, white men, or just privileged in, in their level of uh, executive miss. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I've had to stay quiet a lot and, um, I'm thankful that, you know, my last job, which was at Smosh, um, gave me a voice. And when I felt like something was wrong, they, I like, I was able to say something and they would listen, you know, and with this newer job, I've learned a lot. So I am able to like put my foot down and create boundaries basically. Um, and I think that's, as like a woman in the industry, it feels very hard to be able to create boundaries. Cause you, uh, Olivia Pope's father in Scandal has a has a little quote that <laughs> I love because it feels so true. And it's, we have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And it's always felt like that um, where I feel like I've had to work twice as hard. I've had to break my back. I've had to lose sleep to like, Feel like I'm worthy in a company when Joe Schmo can like walk in and get a job. You know, there's a stat out there. um, I don't remember how accurate the number is anymore, but I remember reading it where it says men apply to jobs that they're only 60% qualified or there's like a larger percentage of men that apply to jobs that are only 60% qualified, whereas women rarely apply to jobs that they're not i think like 80 percent or more qualified for it's ridiculous like that's it it doesn't make sense in my head why we have to do that so i'm just like hey just go for the job apply for it even if you're not qualified and if you're not qualified you might not get it but it doesn't hurt to try
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. well there's there's so much more we could talk about on the general side getting an idea of or more of an idea of what nancy is but <laughs> in sake of, of keeping the podcast you know organized uh we're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to the specific th- specific side of things here on generally specific specific
0: generally <laughs> <laughs> they were talking to a cat now <laughs> hey generally, generally, generally come here come, just, just. We're back. Uh, the general half is over. The specific half has begun. <laughs> 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 yeah, so
1: for, for those who are new to the podcast, uh, we split the podcast into two halves. General side, where we get to know the guest. The specific side, where they bring something to the table. Something that has inspired them. It's inspiring them currently. Um, Nancy, you brought a particular human being that has been inspiring you. Um, I'll let you take it.
2: Yeah, so I mentioned that one of my um, catalysts of even wanting to move forward with poetry is uh, Sarah Kay. She's a spoken word artist. I forget where she's originally from. I think it might actually be New York. Um,
1: I think she is New yeah. York, if I'm getting her pronounced correctly, but yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. so um, she has a specific poem called The Type. That has a line um, in it that is—I think I'm paraphrasing—where it says, "You are a woman, um, veins and uh, skin and veins." Um, oh, I—I'm bad at remembering lines, but basically, it's just like all of—you are not made of metaphors. You are not made of apologies or excuses. Like you're just a woman. And that line has stuck with me for actual years. I got the opportunity to see Sarah Kay um, live twice with um, usually the person that she does poetry with, which is Phil Kay. Um, And I got like her her book signed in 2016. You know, it was a really big deal. But Sarah Kay has always just written these beautiful, beautiful poems. And she's so well-researched too. And I think that's what I really like love about her poetry is that some of the poetry is so well researched um so it feels like you're very much learning and like consuming art at the same time it's very nice
1: yeah i know it's just like she's 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 been on she's appeared at least in ted at least like three times in various different capacities and yeah she she I guess this is going back to the point you mentioned about performing your poetry too. You know, I guess, you know, for me, like seeing poetry on a page, yeah, can feel pretentious sometimes. You know, like you have all of this page real estate and you're going to save it for, you know, 12 lines or whatever. But hearing that out loud takes on a whole different shape. And Sarah has, at least, I've watched what, like two of her appearances um, on the TED stage she she like she's is 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 magnetic in the way that she draws you in with these sometimes very specific poems and then sometimes just extremely emotional poems so i can see where the allure is like she's just like a force unto herself so yeah i like looking through some of her stuff. I'm I'm right there with you now. I'm a fan, but but I, how did how did you discover Sarah?
2: I discovered Sarah um, through YouTube. If I'm not mistaken, through Button Poetry. So Button Poetry is a really um, great group that also publishes. They do constant cons- uh, contests um, for poems and visual artists and everything. But they have a an amazing roster. Of spoken word artist um and I'm pretty sure I've found her through just one of their videos that was being promoted on my YouTube page um and I kind of really fell down the rabbit hole there with her and I just like looked at everything she did because I was it just enamored with the way that she spoke and I think that's where I also fell in love with spoken word because you know before um 2015 I was like writing poetry but it was very like I think I found my first like my first spoken word poem not too long ago and I read it out loud I was like this is such trash (laughs) (laughs) um but you know I um when I started discovering spoken word in a larger sense through button poetry it um it really like shined a light on poetry with me I think I have on my pre-order page no reading poems aloud will help you connect to them because i Mm. know that when i read because even with workshops i still take i think workshops anywhere between once or three times a week for poetry it's like my after work Mm. activity um and if i don't read one of the poems out loud it almost never hits for me and it sucks because poetry standalone is amazing but I, i feel like i need to speak the words out for me to connect um, you know, I when I finished my workshop with um, with Des in the fall, I had to do like kind of a showcase. So I had to read one to two of my poems. And when I read my second poem, Des asked me a question and it was long lines like, hey, do you write to perform? And that's the crazy thing. I don't write to perform. Mm. Like, I'm not technically a spoken word artist. I don't, like, I have only recently started doing open mics on IGTV with uh, the Poetry Lounge. But I don't write thinking, oh, I'm going to put this on stage one day. I just don't. But I feel like I write that way because that's what um, has always been my uh, main reason to write poetry is because I love spoken word so much.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask if there's like a, a process. Do you have a, do you have a intentional process now of, of writing to be performed and just writing to be on the page?
2: I think since I got asked that question, I've noticed that I feel like nearly all of my work has to be performed. And I say nearly, cause there are some where I'm like, you can just read this on a page and it's fine. But there is such an emotion that I feel like has to be put behind words that only spoken word can really do in performing it like that, um, that I appreciate. So ever since I got asked that question, I was just like, no, I guess all of my work is to be performed. Um, which is uh, again, a scary part of releasing a book is like, well, if people don't get the emotion behind a, a poem, then it's just mm-hmm. words on a paper. Um, but I, I'm taking that risk and hoping, you know, like I uh, hoping people understand it. So
0: i would think i mean i would you know that disclaimer of hey you should read this out loud is like is such a strong thing and it's like you know because when you read something out loud i mean it inherently gives it meaning you know you're saying the words you're understanding the words because you're saying them and i think that's like such a beautiful thing that truly with poetry i've never as a consumer of poetry i've truly never thought about that. i'm like i read it and i'm like oh this means a lot and i try to I guess when I take in poetry, I try to, like, put myself in the writer's shoes a little bit and kind of see where they're coming from. But even not having read many poems out loud, you say that I'm like, oh, that's how you're (laughs) supposed to do it. Like, my brain just got blown a little bit.
1: You know what's what's funny? (laughs) On the last episode of our last season, the first season, we actually read a poem out loud with our guests. We did. I forgot yeah and it was a very cool experience only because a it's like it's i forgot it's, about that Yeah, it's got a cathartic experience to actually you know put sound and and like texture to the words but also to do it in a room with two other people who also have a, like a specific delivery and a, a specific interpretation of things like it was a fun exercise for all three of us too um like yeah, half I'm joke, down half to honest. do that mm-hmm.
2: exercise with
0: y'all. That would be joke. really fun if we if we, really, if we if we end up we maybe we send head. off the podcast that way. That could be cool. yeah. We're maybe. just That'd riffing now. We have we have a plan. Yeah. This is not off the cuff at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, w- I would ask a question real quick. Mm-hmm. Is there any intention of doing an audio version of this or like providing audio sound bites of specific?
2: pieces. So um, I am planning to at least read one or two of my uh, poems uh, leading up to the end of the pre-order date, which is March 27th. Uh, I believe March 27th. Um, but yeah, I, I want to that that's the plan uh, to just give the audience. It's so weird to say that. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> but you know, people that yeah. are are buying my book and are interested in buying my book um like a a feel as to like what my meaning or my emotion is behind a poem. So yeah.
1: Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm all about sound now. All about sound now. (laughs) No, it's just weird. Real sound
0: (laughs) real sound. No. I'm the first but
1: yeah. Ah, wow, that would be very interesting. And you know what too? This is now to just toot your own horn. Um, you know, we've been hanging out and talking throughout the pandemic. Um, and I think I dropped in to, was it Khan's discord? hmm Yeah. When you were working, you were just doing an exercise. Um, uh, yeah. And part of your process, was you just read it out loud to us because I guess, yeah, now, now learning that, that, that feedback, that hearing that out loud is kind of an important process of it. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it if you do it.
2: Yeah, listen, I have the literal version one of the book right here, so let me (laughs) know.
1: Sweet, sweet, cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, if we want to jump into some sort of performance thing, I'm game for it.
0: let's yeah. just do it let's just go
1: just dig
0: it let's yeah do you see. have do you have something yeah let's see which yeah I'm we'll writing. do we could do that and i'll shut up <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um i'll actually read one of the love poems um that i wrote for this book um because on page and i'll show you here it looks crazy it looks like a paragraph there are just slashes wow. between um the poem and there's if any, punctuation in here. So I feel like seeing this film is a little overwhelming. But I'm going to read it because I think it, it hits a little differently. I love so this- that.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to mute my mic, so I don't make any sound. Um, I make no sounds. <laughs> no sound. No, sound.
2: Um, no, but thank you for the opportunity, Percival. It uh, means a lot. But this one's called He Calls Me Flower. Silent agreement, invincible, invisible ink into... Can you cut this out? <laughs> Ooh. He calls me flower. Silent agreement, invisible ink to invisible contract. I was never meant to like him. See the good in him. Crave what he offered. Even if they were crumbs. Secret names, unknown faces. The first time he called me flower was in July. Delicate, he said. I am many things, but no one has told me I was delicate. Late night phone calls shifted to daylight, and we were no longer talking about sex. No, he asked me questions. Questions not even those who claimed to love me would ask. He continued to call me Flower. Sorry, Flower. Not tonight, Flower. It was always to soften the blow, and soften it did, melted away my frustration. I think we both broke the contract. He tells me I deserve good. The only one in a million people you actually meet are good and that I am good and it makes me smile more than I should. I reread the contract to see where I overstepped, where he overstepped, and I want to tell him to stop calling me Flower, that this is not what we signed, but I don't want to lose the name I've adopted in his life Flower. I wonder if he calls anyone else, Flower. I wonder if he thinks about the contract, Flower. I wonder if I'm alone in this, Flower. I wonder if I wait long enough, he will call me his, Flower. Oh,
1: man. This is beautiful. Oh, man,
0: feel-
1: <laughs> oh. It feels like a cliffhanger. <laughs> it does, it really
2: does. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a poem, for instance, that I know is going to be hard to read. And I, I got feedback from my editor that was just like, would you think of formatting it a different way? And I was like, no, <laughs> it doesn't feel right when you format it differently because the slashes are isolating certain words. So for instance, flower is almost always isolated by slashes in this poem, as well as contract uh, crumbs is like isolated in this poem so reading it i know feel like seeing it on a page might seem overwhelming but there's a reason why i want to keep it like this um so yeah it's um it's one of my favorite poems in this book
0: i really love it i love how and, and exactly how you performed it was so beautiful it feels like um to, it just felt like you know you can really join in on this like long trail of thoughts or like inside and the flower motif just constantly ringing back at you. I really loved it. I thought that was so beautiful.
1: Thank you. It reminded me of something, at least seeing it on the page reminded me of something. I think I was reading a book where one chapter is literally not separated at all by punctuation. It's just like a literal word vomit and you have to ascertain where emphasis is and where, where you, you know, ideally would have punctuation. So, yeah, I think, yeah, like that seems like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but those are probably like, at least as a reader, the most quote unquote fun to to read because there is a little bit of investigative work or there's a little bit of trying to get into your head to see how is this supposed to sound? Why is this isolated? Where is the influence? Where's, where's the... Where's the gravity in some of these words, you know? I mean, I, you, you've kind of given us a crumb and saying that, like, you know, flowers is always isolated. You know, now we have to do the mental gymnastics. Why is that? You know, et cetera. Yeah. And then you, you may give us, you know, clues. And, and what, what am I making? What's the crumb? <laughs> who, who leads the crumbs? <laughs> what what illusion am I doing there? Or oh, metaphor? analogy? I forget what. Yeah, what's the analogy there? That's not Goldilocks, right? Who, oh, who leads the crumbs uh, to... Um... Why am I doing a breadcrumbs analogy? <laughs> there?
2: There is a, like a, a fairy tale where someone does leave yeah. crumbs.
1: Okay. There's see, some, see. yeah. We're all on the same page. All right, yeah. cool. Andre, <laughs> derails again. <We're> all there, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. we all We all have remembered. Um, but.
2: but yeah, um, no, I, I think that's another reason I love poetry. I think recently in one of my workshops, we read a poem by uh, a, an author named Sheila Sadir, I think um, called The Man Holds Open a Door. Um, and it's such a beautiful poem. Um, it's stunning. I definitely would recommend, uh, reading on your own time. It's on a website called Juked. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, uh, I think the repeating word in there is the man, and we were interpreting it in my class where it's just like oh is this a literal man is this a system of oppression is this the system is this the cops you know it is um a beautiful poem but that's also the thing about poetry is that it can mean a million different things depending on the reader you know i can give you like the exact reason why i wrote that poem but also, why would I? I want you to be able to take that poem and you know feel something of it, whether it's relating to your life or just because the poem made you feel something. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I, I really love poetry because there's just so many things that
0: go into it. That's beautiful. I I keep saying beautiful, but (laughs) it's the word I keep coming back to, you know. Yeah, true. I'm sorry. Um,
1: Let's get in. Yeah, let's 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 use words. Let's land this this thing. That's what I meant. Yeah, let's land this plane. All right. Okay. Um, Nancy, what we like to do at the end of each episode here is. Ask you to recommend something that you've been into whether that it could be something as simple as like going out for a walk it can be as complicated as uh, I Don't know whatever a complicated thing is, you know, but like you could be a TV show. It could be uh, a book an object a thing What are you into right now that you could recommend to somebody?
2: Ooh. Um, I would say if I can recommend anything for anyone right now is to uh, Put on some music. I like to put on music on my record player um, get into your comfiest pajamas or underwear and dance. It's literally one of the things that get me out of a funk. Um, is you know, just letting my body move in whatever motion it wants to without thinking that someone's watching me because no one's watching me. So it, it's a really nice release. Um, and I also am just a a big lover of music it's very tied into poetry for me so you know just put on some jams and and let your body move
0: that rules they're i can do that
1: <laughs> i think i could do that. do that
0: Cool, trey do you have a recommendation oh. you want me to go next no i, I, I do have one okay. actually <laughs> um
1: well i just saw a movie recently and i i'm leaning into it and i apologize i'm leaning into it but uh i care a lot it's on netflix Mm -hmm. features rosamund pike if i'm not mistaken uh a real kick-ass movie just if you feel like sticking it to somebody in any way shape or form you have that residual emotion somewhere (laughs) go watch that movie
0: it's it's great cool it's great um i have two things that's cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't break the rules here. Um, no, go ahead. Dude. The first thing I want to say is, is maybe take a look at the work of Ming Smith. Uh, I try to like bring things that relate somewhat to to the to the podcast talk at hand um, or the episode we're working on. But Ming Smith was a photographer from the seventies, and I always bring everything back to photography. But um fine. <laughs> yeah, she was. Uh, you know, photography is is a like male dominated field. It always has been, especially documentary and, like, street work and all this stuff, specifically by white men. Um, And Ming Smith was this really talented photographer in the 70s. Um, She was part of this collective um, called Kaimonge, which I might be pronouncing that wrong. But it was a um, collective of photographers of color um, who made work documenting New York and, honestly, a whole bunch of different facets of photography and, and just making this really unique collection of work that i think is currently on exhibit um currently has an exhibition at the whitney um but ming smith's work is really cool she has some like really beautiful work of like grace jones and mm. um sun ra and like really mm. really really nice work um and maybe just also look at the kaimonge look i'll look into that <laughs> because that is really cool oh. there's a lot of really talented photographers in there that don't Get the light that they should like you know, uh, Buford Smith and um, Roy DeCarava and all those kind of people. Um, so check that out. And then another thing is actually a book that Andre told me about um, a while ago in the beginning of quarantine. It's called Your Black Friend and Other Strangers, and I think it should be required reading for all white people. Um, I love that. Wow! It just kind of it's just like a collect. It's part of a bigger collection of graphic novels. Um, by Ben Passmore, uh, that really like kind of, as a as a white person, it kind of puts you in shoes that you haven't been in before, and puts you in situations where you are understanding the other side of this, and or or as much as you can, you know, you're you're kind of just being pointed pointing out things that in everyday life that could just pass by that wouldn't even you as a white person wouldn't realize, but are big things and are important to talk about, and and are important to know. So. Read, read it. <laughs> and the art in it is also beautiful. So if you have trouble reading things, um, read that. And you can look at beautiful art at the same time. Yeah. So those are my two things. I'm going
2: to recommend a book for Women History Month, also tying into yes. all that. Um, Angela Davis's Women Race in Class is my current book mm. that I'm reading right now. And, man, do they not teach black history in, like in its depth in high school um so that's been a incredibly eye-opening book about everywhere from the black woman of being a slave to being freed and what that actually meant for them um Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful book it's an angering book but i think it's so necessary to be able to read a, a beautiful thesis basically on it um by who angela davis too like (laughs) kick-ass woman so Mm. yeah uh, a big recommendation on that side
0: cool cool that sounds cool i'm gonna pick that up so anyway uh let's let's (laughs) tie this thing in nancy do you want us to promote your yourself dog oh my god the whole time the whole time Mm. or just now (laughs) now. i might have had to clear my throat i just have i have allergies (laughs) um so, yeah, I was just going to say maybe, you know, I was going to ask Nancy if she wants us to promote her social media, um, and then I was going to go ahead and do that and plug her <laughs> social medias, if she's cool with that. Yeah. Please okay. Say. Thank you. Uh, well, first of all, Nancy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for making thank time you. to talk to us. We really appreciate your time, and I can't wait to read your book. Um, <laughs> if you want to follow Nancy on the internet, she is on Instagram at NancyAZC. You should follow her there. And if you want to follow her on Twitter, it's at NancyACZ underscore. Um, If you want to follow us on the internet, uh, I'm at Anthony Cosme on Instagram. Uh, You don't need to follow my Twitter. Uh, (laughs) If you want to follow Andre on Instagram, it's at No Doubt. Um, If you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's at Generally Specific Pod. That's on Twitter and Instagram, I think. Um, and you know, above all that, be kind, be kind to one another and uh, show, show love and be genuine. Hire your friends.
1: (laughs) Generally Specific is produced by me, Andre Dowdy and Anthony Cosme. Our theme and music for the show comes from nothing new. Shout out to the homie one time. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace, peace, peace.